Salaam everyone. Welcome to the 14 Pillars Podcast, where we aim to deepen our relationship with the 14 infallibles of Islam, one hadith at a time. My name is Ali Imad Fadlallah, and today I want to discuss the power of prayer. I'll begin by sharing another story with you. Nothing dramatic, but it was really powerful for me. In 2014, Almost nine years ago, I began my doctoral program in education leadership and relocated to Cambridge, Massachusetts, where I lived for the first two years of my program on campus. During this period of my life, I was reforming myself. I'm still reforming myself. That's a lifelong project. But my identity in Islam was relatively new. It was less than two years since I turned back to Islam and began reading Quran and such and I was trying to do things right, pray on time, not skip prayers, things like that. And because my identity in Islam was fresh, I was guarded, protective, careful where I went, who I saw, what media I consumed. I still am. So it was time for residency. My doctoral program required a residency in our third year, modeled similar to med school where you do some book work for a while and then they throw you in the fire. And I needed to find a place to work for 10 months, full-time, as I wrote a dissertation, before flying back to campus to present it, and if all went well, graduate. Out of 24 in my class, 23 were placed, and I was still waiting to find a job. My search lasted so long, I left my apartment and spent the whole summer in Dearborn, waiting. The residency period even started, and I had to have that call with my director, where she told me, Ali, we trust you, we know you'll be fine, but if it doesn't happen in a couple weeks, you'll probably have to walk at the next commencement. And up until this point, my tawakkul was solid, like 8 out of 10. But then, I was really tested, because as much as I fought off the thoughts, I was starting to feel like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was late this time. Astaghfirullah. Of course, He wasn't. And I'll spare you the details about how and why the timing was perfect. But I got the call in time from an organization in Los Angeles, more precisely, Hollywood. Now, they did good work, but this threw me off, made me nervous, even though I loved and even wanted to be in LA at the time. Because I just felt, and still do, like Hollywood is the devil's playground in a lot of ways. A place where even spirituality, let alone religion, is often absent. So I was worried not because of what I thought I might do, but because of what I thought others could be capable of amid such corruption. And I didn't want this to impact me spiritually, since I respect the power of environment. The day I landed, one of my boys from the hood, by hood, Akid, I mean East Dearborn, he picked me up from the airport, and I just remember we ended up at a seafood restaurant early evening, well before sunset, and it was a beautiful beachfront, raised high over the beach, And there was this long railing where you could lean and look over onto the glittery white sand and giant rocks being washed over by the waves. The area was super clean. The water was beautiful. Weather was stunning. Cool breeze, calm waves, clear skies, good vibes. But man, I had butterflies. 
those same nerves about the same concerns. So after we ate, I walked over to that railing to soak it all in, alone, looking out into the water. And then I looked down at the rocks, and wedged in between two huge rocks on this spotless beach was a white sign, like it was ripped off a large cardboard box, a sign a homeless person would make to panhandle with, and written on it with black sharpie was three lines, with one word on each line, in all caps. It said, Pray it helps. Subhanallah, only God could ever confirm this, but I could literally feel the genuineness and conviction of whoever wrote it, like their belief jumped off the sign and rubbed off on me. I share some version of the story in a book I just finished, a book I was working on with my father, Allah Yirhamu, for almost five years, and then for five more years since he passed, and that I'll be publishing soon, inshallah. I know, it's impressive. It only took me 10 years to finish my first book. Alhamdulillah. But I mention it because in the book, I talk about how for me, this was a really important sign, literally and spiritually. Like if the only reason I got placed in residency late was to see this sign, that was enough. Because as silly as it might sound, I needed the reminder that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always accessible, always available, always needed and always near, always there, no matter where we find ourselves. And for those next three years in LA, I had to prioritize prayer. If I didn't, God only knows what I wouldn't have been saved from. But that's just the fear side speaking. Because there was also the hopeful side. I knew dua would help me grow. And that communion with Rabna subhanahu wa ta'ala is what helped me know when it was time to come home too, even though I didn't want to. And if I didn't, right on time, I probably wouldn't have met Malak. So with that said, I wanted to share five powerful facts about prayer based on our beautiful hadith in honor of our five daily prayers. There's literally hundreds of hadith on salah, but our journey needs to begin somewhere. So we begin. Number five, Imam Jafar as-Sadiq said, Whenever you pray and plead before Allah for help, consider that what you have asked for has arrived at the door. I start here because back in those Twitter days that I mentioned in episode one, I read a tweet once from a Christian account, a tweet that I needed desperately, and I just felt it had to be aligned to Islam. And I was really relieved when I learned it was indeed. It said, God only has three answers to your prayer. Number one, yes. Number two, yes, but not now. Or number three, no, because I have something better for you. For me, this helps me understand Imam Jafar al-Sadiq's hadith on a deeper level. Because when you pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can consider it done. Because you will get one of these three answers. A yes, a yes but not now, perhaps because it's not the best time for you. Or as many hadith tell us, perhaps because Allah loves to hear the sound of your dua, especially if you're a faithful believer. Or a no, but only because he has something better for you. Imam Ali salam explains this last part. Sometimes, your prayers are turned down because you often, unknowingly, ask for things that are really harmful to you. Like perhaps that new job or new role, not knowing it's going to lead us to harm, or worse, haram. That person, not knowing they're going to break our heart, or that they aren't who we think they are, 
or that they just aren't our nasib. Allah has someone better for us, that business venture, not knowing it's going to fail. My sister recently shared how all she ever wanted for a while was to get out of Dearborn, and everything just seemed to go wrong when she tried, only to realize later that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kept her here so that she could be with my father during the last years of his life, which she would have missed. I'm paraphrasing her words, but she essentially said, for years, God was saying to her, no, because I have something better for you. Allahu Akbar. Number four, Imam Ja'far as-Sadiq said, prayer and pleading before Allah for help repeals al-qada, which means what is decreed. What is already determined, what has already come down from heavens, and what is firmly established. So yes, prayer can change destiny. It's incredible. Many of us, due to lack of knowledge, say, What's written is written, khayyeh. What's destined to be will be, cousin. But Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq says, Pray and do not say that it is already determined and that the matter is settled. My students used to say to me, I ain't tripping, Mr. Ali. God got me. And I would respond, Yes, Devante, God got you. But God won't do for you what you should do for yourself. We gotta meet God halfway, or at least take a step in His direction. In another hadith, Imam Ja'far as-Sadiq says, Pray and do not say that it is predetermined and all over. There is a position with Allah, the majestic, the glorious, that is not accessible without praying to Him. If a servant keeps his mouth closed and does not plead to receive help, he will not receive anything. But there is no door that is knocked repeatedly, but that sooner or later it will open up. So is destiny not real and written? Yes, it is. It's just not fixed like we're taught to think about it. It can be rewritten by the power of our dua. It can be improved. Misfortune can be redirected. If we truly know the power of our dua, someone would have to pry us off the msalliyya. We'd be glued. Imam Zain al-Abidin the constantly prostrating one, said, Prayer and pleading before Allah for help repels the misfortune that has already come down and that which has not yet come down. There is countless more hadith on this, but the fact is clear. Prayer can change destiny. Number three. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi said, Pleading before Allah for help is the believing people's weapon, the pillar of religion, and the light of the heavens and earth. In another hadith he says, It will save you from your enemies and increase your means of living. Allahu Akbar. This notion that prayer is a believer's weapon is layered. The most direct understanding is that when one is oppressed by another or by a group, there is no greater weapon than seeking the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi says, Beware of the prayers of the oppressed, for there are no barriers between them and Allah. If you're oppressing someone, whew, you better hope they don't make dua. And if you're oppressed, don't unleash your tongue with anger, unstrategically, on your oppressor. Unleash your tongue in prayer, pleading for Allah's assistance. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises in chapter 8 verse 30, They plan and Allah plans, and Allah is the best of planners. Imam Ja'far says, Prayer, pleading before Allah for help, is more effective than spears of iron. 
Imam Ali al-Ridha alayhi salam, son of Imam Musa, grandson of Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq alayhi salam, would say to his disciples, You must keep with you the weapons of the prophets. They said, O Imam, what are the weapons of the prophets? The Imam said, It is prayer, pleading before Allah for help. And finally, Imam Ali alayhi salam called prayer a shield for the believer. So you can think of dua as a literal weapon and shield. The second way to think about this notion that prayer is a believer's weapon is that the strength of this weapon increases the more we depend upon it exclusively. Imam Ali alayhi salam says, Pleading for help is the key to success and the input for one's well-being. And when distress intensifies, Allah is the only one before whom one must implore for protection. So if we have a mental health or idiopathic condition, which means a condition for which the diagnosis is unknown, yes, let's seek therapy and medical advice and attention. Let's do our part. But we can do that and still be relying solely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our heart, knowing He is in control and guiding us accordingly, especially if for when that illness intensifies. And the more it intensifies, the more our heart posture of reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should also intensify. It doesn't mean we stop seeking help and say, God got me. It means we surrender and stop trying to control the outcome. Allah's cure might be another doctor or a strange specialty that we didn't think was relevant or some out of left field solution we would have never anticipated. Or the hardest outcome to accept, that there is no cure for the body although the sickness is intended to be a spiritual cure for the soul. He's just waiting for us to surrender and ask. And that leads to number two. Imam Ja'far as-Sadiq said, You must pray and plead before Allah for help. It is the cure to all diseases. So prayer does cure illness and extend lives. If you think about it, number four, which was that prayer can change destiny, already proves this point, clearly. But we have hadith on this one too. If prayer can repel what was written, what was firmly established, that includes a cancer, a disease, an idiopathic condition. And if death was still the outcome, then we have to honor the third answer to our prayer. No, because I have something better for you. We often view death as a bad, but it can be a mercy, relief, a gift to a believer. Indeed, Rasulullah sallallahu says, Death is a gift to the believer. And finally, number one, Imam Ja'far as-Sadiq said, You cannot seek nearness to Allah by any means better than pleading before Him for help. Do not leave your small needs without pleading before Allah for help, just because they are small. Both small and large needs are in the hands of one and the same one. So yes, ask for the safe recovery of your loved one from illness, or for a healthy pregnancy or delivery, or for that acceptance letter to come, or that job, or the prospering of your new business. But don't be ashamed to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to let the 18 things you have to do today fall in place smoothly, to let your food turn out right because you butchered the recipe last time, to let the dry cleaner have your shirt ready in time for that dinner. These may sound like silly dua to some, not to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq is telling us that to Allah, 
These are testaments to our desire to be aligned at all times, something He loves. I want to close with this. I realize many of us, as I once did, struggle with presence during Salah. We may feel demotivated or distracted. I struggled with this for years and sometimes still do. And while I'm not doing this podcast to give advice from me, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does tell us in chapter 51 verse 55, but do continue to remind, for certainly reminders benefit the believers. I do want to share a couple recommendations on this topic. First, if you're not doing so already, follow Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's guidance on salah from chapter 17 verse 10 where he says, Say, do not recite too loudly in your prayer or too quietly, but seek between that an intermediate way. So above a whisper, but not too loud. Praying so I can hear it is, well, number one, required, as you just heard. And number two, for my sake. I don't know the interpretation of this verse from our infallibles, but I do know that studies show reciting aloud helps one with focus, memorization, etc. The second thing I do is to keep reading and meditating on hadith about salah, like you're doing right now. Each time I read these hadith, I feel like diving into the depths of dua because of how illuminating they are. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala place and solidify the power of prayer in our hearts and our conscious and inspire us now and always to pray from the most genuine and humble and needy place, knowing our lives will never be the same if we do. It will only change for the better, even through hardships. فَإِنَّا مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرَ إِنَّا مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرَ So surely, with hardship comes ease. Surely, with hardship comes ease. Quran, chapter 94, verses 5 and 6. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continuously guide us back to the 14 infallibles who teach us that when we're inspired to pray, if we've ever prayed a prayer from the depths of our heart, or cried a single tear on arm saliyyah, then this is a sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to guide us. It's an utmost blessing. And if we are not feeling called to salah, it doesn't mean we've been excluded or forsaken. It means we've taken one less step towards submission. It means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is awaiting us, not for His sake, but ours. And so, Regardless of where we are today, let's do a collective prayer right now, in our heart or out loud, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to harness the power of prayer and be guided by His 14 pillars so that we may forever remain close to Him and them. Ameen Ya Rabb. Tomorrow, we take a pause to be present, to honor what is here and now, the holy month of Ramadan. But while the moment is obvious, the discussion may not be, for beneath the common discourse of this holy month are deeper hidden treasures, glorious hadith from our 14 pillars. I'll see you then, and assalamu alaikum.